We're recording. We're recording live. Hello, and welcome to Recording Live. I am Dexter. Along with me is... Matt. And... Lee. Yeah, Lee's here. Uh, welcome back, Lee. Um, you know, it occurs to me, too, just now that the last episode you were on was uh, part one of the DCEU. Oh, and we've never done a part two. <laughs> uh, that's, and that's why we're here. Yeah, I'm unprepared for that. <laughs> uh, no, so today we're going to be talking about Mandalorian season one, uh, just because that's what uh, I just watched and uh, figured it's a good time to do some spoilers. So anyone who hasn't caught up yet, I guess, or anyone, yeah, I guess just don't listen to this episode. But otherwise, you'll yeah, we're just going to talk about uh, that. Uh, it, but before we get started, uh, if you head over to Twitter, we're still on there, so you can find us at Rec Live Podcast, uh, Facebook Recording Live Podcast, or just RecordingLivePodcast.com. Uh, that's where you can find, I think, links to our archive and um, ways to get a hold of us otherwise. Uh, but yeah, no, let's get into it. Um, so uh, I guess other than Mandalorian, I did watch uh, the Clone Wars movie. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I liked it. Uh, we don't have to talk about it. I just I know that uh, Mandalorian kind of seems to have a lot of callbacks to the Clone Wars, or maybe yeah, more specifically, uh, was it Rogue? What is the other cartoon? Oh, Rebels. 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 It gets yeah. there for the most part. Uh, uh, Mandalorian is very heavy Clone Wars, and, and you haven't seen it yet, but season two is. Super heavy with Clone Wars and some Rebels uh, yeah. stuff, and I, well, I I worry about that sometimes, and I worried about that very much for the the second season. We're not going to talk about the second season, but I worried just about that because I do know plenty of people who did watch Mandalorian seasons one and two, and they have never seen Clone Wars or Rebels or Resistance or anything, yeah. and. They were fine with it, but yeah, they didn't. They fully admit, I don't know who some of these characters are. Yeah, and like I'm familiar enough to Which know. Which is good, you know. I, I don't. I don't have that. Uh, have that worry with you. I think you. You'll. You figure it out. Yeah. Uh, well, and I know like some of the key characters, especially in the second season. I guess I'm not going to spoil any of that right now, but um, I know a couple of key characters, and I. I know we've talked about it a little bit in, in the past, but. Um, but I know nothing about them. I just know that they exist kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with, I guess this first season of Mandalorian, I had that issue with, um, and I'm going to forget people's names. Uh, but the okay. lady, the lady that, uh, was a shock trooper. Oh, Cara Dune. She's never been in anything. This was her introduction. Yeah. Oh, okay. For some she's reason I thought she was in rebels probably. What? No, no, she's never been in rebels. She oh, okay. is Mandalorian is her introduction to the star Wars oh. universe. Okay, interesting. Kind of, uh, sorta. Continuity-wise, they've retconned her to actually be on the Battle of Endor, apparently. Yeah, well, she talks about that. Well, I mean, let's get into it, I guess. So, uh, yeah, Mandalorian, if you've not seen it, it's about a Mandalorian um, <laughs> in Star Wars. Uh, if you don't know what a Mandalorian is, that's complicated. And maybe that's something we should cover. Um, and so my entire history with Mandalorians, like everything I know about them, aside from Boba Fett, uh, which I don't think is a very good knowledge base, is from playing uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, and they're almost just used in that game, uh, in both of those games, I guess, 
as like weird agitated soldiers. And so like just you basically you know that like if you run into uh, I don't know like the typical troopers, which they weren't stormtroopers at the time in that game, but like there are certain like people that you run into that you have to fight and they're they're kind of like the whatever people to fight. But then the Mandalorians are always like the shock troopers, like the more intense group of people to have to fight. Um, and I've always equated them to being basically Klingon, the Klingons of the Star Wars universe. Took uh, the analogy right out of my th- head. Awesome. So I always took them to basically just be like really angry all the time people. Uh, and like, you don't want to talk to them cause you don't know if they're just going to like shoot you for fun. Um, and that's what I always, I guess, thought that they were. And so I found this show to be a very delightful change to that. And it's it's nice to see them in a different light, I guess, or at least just to see them on their own terms instead of as like an antagonist. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not it's not a correction, but I will tell you your thought and even from those Republic is not wrong. Uh, <laughs> as I know you want to get into the Clone Wars show. Mandalore yeah. is Mandalorians is very heavy in Clone Wars Heavily and several featured. stories, Good. and that is their backstory. They are a warrior race. Okay, well, and they, it is it is uh, discussed quite a bit in that show that yeah. no, they are a warrior race. Like they do rise uh, and fall from war. So. Yeah, but I think the the interesting thing about them, like you know, you could always I guess like look at a race of of pretend people uh, as look at this race as a warrior race. And like, yes, you can look at them as being just very, um, I, I don't know, just always fighting and always looking for a fight, always picking a fight. But then this show, uh, I was kind of them to the Spartans of the star Wars. Yes. Universe. And so I, that's a good analogy. That's maybe a better analogy because well, their, their design is based off Spartans. Well, yeah, their helmet, everything is very Spartan. Yeah. But like what? Well, even the cape. That's funny. Um, But what really stuck out to me, especially in the scenes uh, where they're like, well, a lot of the different scenes, but they always seem very concerned about protecting children, um, which I found very surprising. Like uh, they have like they're very concerned about the foundlings and. Uh, well, and, and I, I guess it makes sense that part of that is to rebuild their race. To yes, a that, that, that's yeah. the thing. Uh, and I'll interject real quick. Like the yeah. Mandalorian is set five years after Return of the Jedi. And so the Empire's gone, but there's remnants of it. But the thing is, in season one, there's dialogue here and there. It gets a little higher up in the next season stuff. But it's not in any other previous stuff, not in Clone Wars, not in Rebels or anything. Mm-hmm. But something happened uh, before A New Hope, I guess I should say, around before A New Hope, that something like something happened on Mandalore where they went to possible war with the Empire, and the Empire wiped out the Mandalorian creed race essentially they're yes. scat like what's left over is just scattered remnants of people in exile so yeah to the point they're, where like, they're people... they they care about their children and things yeah because they don't have anything they're they're slowly secretly trying to rebuild themselves without yeah. giving themselves away because they are very much mandalorians were a a large race a very proud warrior race and mm-hmm. now they are in hiding because they're pretty much wanted 
by everybody because of what they are and what they have. So yeah. they're they're seeking. They're always um, in high. I said they're always in hiding things. Mm-hmm. They're very secretive when they didn't used to be. They they never had yeah. to be, but now they're just in exile, scattered all over the place. And so there's so few of them now. When at yeah. one point there were billions. Which I guess and. In this show, and maybe it's just this particular character, uh, Mandal- this particular Mandalorian, but he seems to have a lot more compassion. Um, and it even seemed like just the whole the whole plot is based around him. And then ultimately, even at the end of the season, uh, the lady Mandalorian, who I, again, don't remember her name. Uh, she doesn't have. She's just known as the armorer. Yeah. OK, so she even kind of seemed to have some sort of compassion uh, of like towards the the child and like it, just that I didn't expect. And it's just interesting. Like they just instead of like, what are you doing with that thing? Why did you bring it here? Get rid of it. Like, it's just like, well, now it's yours. Take care of it. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I found that just very surprising, I guess. And uh, it, it just made me it was more endearing towards the Mandalorians than I expected, I think. And yeah. that's why when the show was first announced, I was not very excited. I was just like, this isn't going to be like, what are we just going to have like another John Wick, uh, like just a John Wick TV show, which was just hilarious because like what the third episode basically is. But um, but then it's so much more than that. And, and that's what makes it good. Well, yeah, it's, you know, it's weird. When this show was actually um, announced, I had no interest because I'm going to be yeah. honest, I, I'm i not a fan of Boba Fett. I think Boba Fett was no, one of the most wrong. overrated characters in the history of Star Wars, um, you know, who had, what, maybe three minutes of total screen time. And yeah, so but it, it was wasn't like, that Wait, you and I have talked about that. That wasn't the reason why Boba Fett was popular, though. He just looked cool. Well, Bo- yes, he looked yeah. cool, but he had an appearance uh, before the movies. He the was special. The holiday special, yes, but he was mm-hmm. also very big, <laughs> very largely promoted before the movie came out. He was at a, he was in parades and at uh, the California State Fair, and also he was one of the very first toys to come out for Empire Strikes Back. That's why he's got such a large popularity. Like he has. If a I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think the figure was actually out before Empire Strikes Back. Because if I'm not mistaken, he said. was a, he was a mail away figure for the original Star Wars line, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they soldered the missile in there, but you know that's whatever. But the Boba Fett, I just I never I never got the appeal. I was always just like, meh. I you know I I absolutely love Boba Fett, and I told I've told you this before. Uh, he's one of the toys I had. I didn't know anything about him, but I had his toy. And I think that's what a lot of people did, especially I mean, in that why, because they had the figure. And so, I think a lot of people kind of and I'm going to make another comparison here. I think people kind of he's kind of like the Wolverine of Star Wars because people. Oh, loved yeah, him for sure. Because they didn't know a thing about him. I 100 percent disagree with that because Han <laughs> Solo is the Wolverine of Star Wars. I disagree 100%. Uh, I don't know, man. Mysterious. Nobody knows who he is. He's a jackass. He's a scoundrel. He's a womanizer. That's a jackass. He's not a scoundrel. Who? He's like an assassin. Who? Wolverine. Oh, he's a total jackass and scoundrel. We both watched X-Men, the animated series. Anytime he got a chance, he was trying to steal Jean Grey. I'm sorry, but if if you're going to – I'd say if you're going to compare any X-Men character to Han Solo, it's going to be Gambit. Because he's oh, a thief. Totally he's a, he's a womanizer. Agents are people. 
Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I would say like, you know, that was the one thing when, when, you know, the, the prequels came out and everybody was like, Oh, we get to see Boba Fett as a kid. Yay. And at least it gave him a little bit of depth. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. I think most people were excited just to see that armor again and everything. And we, I yes. mean, while Django wasn't in super impressive, the screen time he had was pretty awesome until he got his head chopped off. Spoilers. It's 18-year-old spoilers. <laughs> hey, I've seen that movie, but I don't remember it, so I, I don't appreciate this. No. I, did, okay, question. When he when Boba Fett picks up his, uh, Django's helmet after his head gets lopped off, does his head fall out of the helmet? No, the no, shadow appears right when it gets chopped off. If oh, you, like it flies out. Okay. Yes, there's a shadow of a uh, lump that flies away. I remember when the there was something like that. I, was just like, I hope it's not when he picked it up. <laughs> Uh, there's cool and he picked up, just plopped that. out, just like a quick shot of Boba <laughs> just like, in the horror on his face. <laughs> Funny thing was, Lucas altered that when it was released on home video. Of course he did. Why wouldn't he? he they uh, well, people complained in the theater. Why didn't he? J- why didn't he just shoot off uh, into the sky when May said it? And Lucas didn't convey correctly that the jetpack was malfunctioning, so he added sparks to it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was his intention for that, but it, this was this was when the internet was really booming and people were nit, like people were nitpicking that movie apart. Yeah. But one of those was why didn't Django fly off? And for the home video release, because Lucas altered all the prequels before they went to mm. uh, DVD and mm. even yeah and yeah, that, yeah so just fixed uh, everything yeah. He tweaked a couple things, and that was one of them, which is sparks are coming off of the jetpack, and that's why he couldn't fly away. But yeah. I mean, when the I'll, I'll 100% agree with Lee's sentiment. When the Mandalorian was announced, I didn't really care. I was already done yeah. with Star Wars in so many ways. Right, it, that was just a bad time to be announcing things. <laughs> yeah, and it was like ooh, and plus Solo had just come out. Oh, yeah. uh, relatively, and it did not do well. It's a fine movie. It just it didn't yeah. do good, and so Disney a fantastic movie. It was an I, unnecessary movie. It very it well it shit canned for lack of a better term, and Disney canceled everything. Yeah. Like there was supposed yeah, to be a, a, a Boba Fett movie. There were supposed yep. to be all these movies, and James Mangold, the the writer and director of Logan, was supposed to do a Boba Fett film, and everything got scrapped, mm-hmm. and so. They announced they're going to do a, a show for their app that was going to come out. And I literally, yeah. I mean, I still believe there's aspects of it. They just migrated a lot of some ideas from that to the TV show. But mm. I tell you what, I did get excited when I heard John Favreau was going to be behind it because John Favreau mm-hmm. created the MCU. He yep. created my favorite MCU movie, which is Iron Man. And then I tell you what, the first trailer came out and I was sold. On this? Yes. I don't even remember the first trailer. The first trailer was pretty darn good. I, I was will, worried. I, will say that. I was mm-hmm. worried because uh, it's hard not to look at uh, this character before it comes out. And one, I think he says one line in the whole trailer, and it's at the very end. It's He it got me worried. It got me worried he was going to be like Boba Fett, where he just doesn't talk. He was going to be yeah. a silent protagonist. And that did scare me. And it was hard not to go, well, this is just Boba Fett. That's all this is. Yeah. And then the show actually officially came out. And I'm, I'll am i say it now. Uh, because, I mean, season two's come out, but I kept my 
my feelings for this show away from our original Star Wars discussion. The Mandalorian is hands down probably the best thing that's been released from Star Wars for me. Like ever? Yes. I think it's better mm-hmm. than all the movies. Okay. I think it's better than the previous shows, and the previous shows are good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Excluding this show is in the right hand. Resistance is meh. What? Excluding Resistance, which is just kind of meh. I, I'll admit I haven't seen Resistance just because I'm not fond <laughs> of the characters that are in it. I, I'll watch it eventually, but I love this. It's you know, John Favreau is writing 90% of the show mm. and it's being co-directed in episodes and uh, co-edited or not co-edited, but um, co-produced. And a lot of insight is from Dave Filoni, the mm. co-creator of the Clone Wars cartoon and movie. You know, mm. this is mm. he's very heavily involved in it. And this is a man who was handpicked by George Lucas to handle the Clone Wars show. Oh, nice. That's good. Yes. So, uh, for the sake of time, too, let's I guess dig into this the the story a little bit more. And I to I guess and even before we do that, I think one thing to point out, which we kind of alluded to, is just that the character Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, um, which they don't really say his name until the very end of the first season. Um, but what I was talking about because I watched this with my wife, and so I was talking to her about how interesting it is like that basically it's such a fantastic uh, acting job i suppose um just because like you can't see his face but never once do i question like what his face even looks like like based on what he's the way he says things or it just his body language or the way the camera i suppose like is zooming in on his helmet or something like i always know what he's thinking and what is going on I guess like they just did a fantastic job they, with this character. Yeah, there's a lot of emotion just in that helmet, the way they mm-hmm. position him, the way they can he moves his head, it does convey a lot of emotion and that was something they were scared of, but they were also confident and they yeah. did accomplish this. Yeah, they did a fantastic job. And I think that was one of the like the worries I guess maybe that I had was just like we're going to be staring at a guy who never takes off his helmet. This is like for an entire show. This is going to be so boring, but they did a fantastic job with it. It was great. It was, they did a wonderful job with it. And he is, I mean, the biggest thing was, is it was kind of hard not to compare him to Boba Fett mm-hmm. because he's a bounty hunter. Yes. And um, so that was also something to go. Hmm. Okay. But then they explain why he's a bounty hunter. He does this job because that's kind of, all that Mandalorians kind of can do in this in yeah. this time frame, like they are very hidden. Only one can go up at a time, and they're poor. They're they're living in squalor. They're mm. you know they're scrounging for anything. So yeah, they're yeah, taking, they're basically you know, the fraggles. What uh, they're basically fraggles. You know, one kinda, can, yeah. You know, <laughs> then they go back down. They got to get a hold of Uncle Tra- Traveling Matt to help them. You know, get uh, bounties and such. So, okay, yeah. So then the show is about, yes, uh, this particular Mandalorian who comes up uh, and he's dealing with uh, this one particular bounty person. Uh, and he's just kind of, it, it seems like he's going around, going out, getting kind of, I don't know, like he's hungry, I guess, for bigger bounties. And I'm, I'm assuming it's just like he just wants as much money as possible. 
Uh, and it kind of sounds like bounties are drying up a little bit, at least at that time. The Republic uh, is outlawing a lot of stuff, and it's yes. become so, very yeah. difficult to collect people. And plus, the yeah, the the lifestyle of a bounty hunter mercenary is disappearing with the Empire disappearing because the Republic's trying to rebuild what was destroyed and mm-hmm. conquered. So it's. Well, I think. I, I mean, I think it kind of is implied that during, you know, during the original trilogy a lot of bounty hunters were making their money from the empire so once the empire is right disbanded i mean where, where are you getting paid from yeah yeah um and yeah so then he he picks up a job that's kind of like a it's an off the books job which doesn't make a ton of sense sense to me that like this you know bounty system would that's like seems like it's off the books anyway it has to have certain things that are off the books. Oh, even there's, there's a guild. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's getting jobs through the guild. And so then there's this job that comes through that's off the book for the guild then even. And it turns out that it's for a remnant of the empire. Um, and I think it's, this is maybe the first show that I've ever seen this guy, like actually seen him and knew who he was. Werner Herzog. I didn't, you didn't Werner Herzog. Him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's such a great, like just, this is the perfect he's role. He's commanding. He he steals yeah. every scene he's in. He's he he can exactly. definitely command the room. Um, I will say real quick off sort sort of well off topic completely, but Werner Herzog is a great documentary filmmaker. And if you've yeah. never seen the movie Grizzly Man, seek it out because it is amazing. Yes. Um, I've never seen it. Sorry. It's a it's about a guy who like fought for the rights of grizzly bears, and in the yeah. end. He ends up getting eaten by the grizzly bears. Oh, I've heard, no, I've, Lee, no, it's by a crazy asshole. Yeah, totally. Who gets eaten by grizzly bears because he's a stupid, crazy asshole. He wants to live asshole. among them. Yeah, I think I heard that story about that guy. I didn't realize that there was a documentary about him. Oh, there's a couple about this guy. There's a yeah. couple about him. He's a uh, well, I believe. Well, maybe we'll his. watch that and do another episode. <laughs> oh, man, I would love to. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about any kind of documentaries. There's some good ones out there. Maybe. Uh, right now, uh, yeah, so uh, Werner Herzog's character is hiring uh, the Mandalorian to go get um, an asset. Like, an asset. And all that they know is it's a per or it's a it's living and it's 50 years old. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. Without doing every single little detail, he, he basically gets to uh, the planet where the asset is uh and my favorite of all time ever uh type of bounty hunter shows up and it's ig11 uh voiced by taiga waititi right yes yes Yes. man i i was so happy when i saw that and like mostly i was happy to see an ig unit in full combat just like yes striding down just down the middle of everything and just shooting everywhere like his head just spinning and like analyzing and seeing everything and just like that's exactly how a star wars android should be fighting and i don't understand why more androids aren't like that in star wars i think they're in clone wars but i don't know if they were as mechanically fluid as ig11 was yeah well i mean and he's an assassin droid like he's built to do that job yeah it's just it's so interesting and just so cool to see that 
uh, and done so well, just because in the in the, the original trilogy, you only ever saw IG-88 standing there. He was bolted to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is also hilarious because his head, I believe, is like a he's from, was like from the piece, cantina. Yeah, it's a piece of scenery from like the cantina, <laughs> uh, of like something behind the bar. Uh, but and so it was just kind of I'm guessing like a last minute thing to throw together. But oh, it, it, just, he turned out looking so course. cool. Well, yeah. <laughs> But he just turned out looking so cool, and then they just made him look even better, uh, just showing him in action. And just the the personality, like, Star Wars always gives their droids personality, but just the personality of the IG units is just fantastic, of just, like, um, just, I, I, well, I don't know, this one in particular seems to give up a little quick. Uh, he's just like, I'm going to self-destruct. No, no, do not do that. Uh, and just that the Mandalorian has to keep convincing him not to self-destruct uh, is a little... It's funny, and that's probably what it was there for, but... Yeah. Anyway, so they yeah they get in, they find the asset, and I thought it was interesting because he's like, I thought he was supposed to be 50. And IG says, uh, like, some, some creatures age at a different rate or something like that. But... No, uh, yeah, and then that's when it's revealed that it's a child, and really they just call him the child the rest of the time, or the, as the world knows him, as Baby Yoda. Yes, it's a um, uh, it's a 50-year-old uh, infant, uh, the same species as Yoda, and... You mean the same species as Yaddle? Yes. Okay. Yes, Yaddle, the just, famous... Just wanna, I'm not familiar with Yoda. The He's famous the, uh, creature uh, from, what was that, episode one? Yes, yes. Female. for the two seconds. And yeah, female frog-like creature with long ears. Yes, that'd be and, that's what we're talking about. And for the sake of season one discussion, we're just gonna call him uh, the child because I prefer uh, that title. I I do not like. No, I, I don't mean that. I mean we were not gonna go by his actual name because his name is revealed oh, eventually. And, uh, yeah, we're gonna that, try not to say it. I'm gonna try not to say it. Lee, try not to say it. So I uh, saw it. Somebody in a forum that I'm on said it, and I almost yelled at him. Yeah, uh, that's but, why we're going to try and not to yeah, do that. <laughs> and, but, yeah, okay, I mean, and I get it. The second season's been over for, like, a month. Uh, well, but I, season's been over for 13 months, and now we're talking about it, so it's okay. <laughs> well, I, do they say his name in the first season? No, but I'm just saying, right, like, okay. we're getting around to talking about this after 13 months, so right, uh, right, just, right. I don't really care I, if the show's been over for a month. It's fine. <laughs> right. Uh, well, anyway, yeah, but I and I... Yeah. So yeah. So the child, uh, they pick it, or uh, IG eighty eight is gonna kill it, and so Mando kills I or IG eleven. Uh, he shoots IG eleven, takes him back. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're just going detail by detail, and I don't want to. A do little that. bit. I mean, uh, one thing to topic of discussion. I it's never revealed. I don't know why he was supposed to, his his bounty claim was to kill it. Well, from what I understood, it's uh, like it was encouraged to keep him alive, but that they were willing to take him dead. And I'm assuming that IG-11 like probably just analyzed all the details, figured it's uh, like, yeah, we'll make more money if I don't kill it, but uh, it's safer just to kill it. And then- No, his orders were to, uh, to kill the, the child. Well, I mean, so we never know who owns IG-11, do we? he's just an assassin droid but yeah when uh uh when he says they wanted it alive ig-11 says my orders uh were to kill it well so then i guess i would wonder if he just got different or i mean orders from 
Well, no, because he would have gotten orders from the Werner Herzog character. Cause, exactly. Because he was the, giving all the orders out personally. Yeah, and that's what yeah, really going up is it's never revealed why he was ordered to yeah. uh, uh, to assassinate. That's the weirdest thing, and it's never brought up again. And yeah, well, I and thought that was very weird. I, I thought that that aspect of it was really weird in general. Because so when he gets back to the guild and he asks him who – who got the bounty on like who got this and he says everyone did that's uh, kind of fl- that's kind of weird too. and i was just like everyone did so every single person in the guild like so he was so reluctant to give this to the mandalorian like at the beginning mm-hmm. uh and it was only like because mando was like hassling him and then it turns out he gave it to everybody so then everybody had um an individual meeting with the, with the um, the imperial uh, I don't know what he is uh, the, the imperial uh, captain or whatever the client I think he was yeah, the, the governor okay so the, every single person or bounty hunter in that room which there's I don't know twenty uh, wow. had a meeting with this guy individually and what did he give them each like a a a, a bar of Baskar like because yeah. he, pre- he prepaid Mando. <laughs> yeah, that that part also I have a little issue with because yeah, when when it's revealed that everyone has a bounty fob, I was like, what? also this is off the books, but they have bounty fobs. <laughs> that I mean I don't really I was gonna bring that up. I don't really like the bounty fobs. They're kind of stupid looking. It's, like no, they're just well, it's it's an it's it's, like, it's a weird thing to replace cell phones because like it, and it's funny too because like that scene where. Uh, at the end of like the or at the beginning or middle of the what's third episode when it's basically John Wick, <clears throat> like it's because of those fobs that it is 100% this episode is John Wick because it's the scene in John Wick when everyone's cell phone starts to go off telling them to go after John Wick. And so then they had that exact same scene where everyone's fobs start flashing and they look at it and it's telling them to go after Mando. And so like I feel like that's the only reason those fobs exist is like – because they're just like, well, how do we, you know, tell everyone to go kill the Mando? And yeah. that's the only way. Because for some reason, nobody else, nobody has communication devices otherwise in, in Star which is a completely different thing. Like, Star Wars is like a really weird mix of, like, the 80s and the future. But that's, but that's not true, because they had, uh, episode one, they had comlinks. Because, I mean, then they had comlinks. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, those, like, little goofy things that they had to hold. Like yeah. Luke had one on his belt. Yeah. Well, and they're they're also a little thumb stick. They have little thumbs, little thumb looking things. C3PO used yeah, one yeah. in the New Hope stuff. They yeah, have communicators. Yeah. I just think the fob looks stupid. It's just a little. No, it it's just it's like a little a, like it's just a little square with a with a button on with a light on it that blinks when you're getting close to someone. Boy, yeah. that's pretty vague in a galaxy where you're flying all over though. Well, and then like Mando has like his whole suit, and it's clear that his helmet has a. Um, a head-up display, uh, or HUD, I guess. Um, like, why couldn't he get? Why, why wouldn't he just put that in his helmet? You know, and just yeah. have like a light shine yeah. flashing in his, on his display. Yeah, I like said, yeah, the fobs is yeah, one thing that I Star Wars. pretty predictable in the show. I just didn't like the way they looked, or yes. the fact that yeah, everybody had one, so everybody, did, yeah, personally had a meeting. Those uh, those boss looking aliens that I, that uh, he ran across on the planet. Yeah, apparently they met up too. I get why in the sense of a story, and it's it is nitpicking to a sense. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah. a huge portion of the story, but I feel like yeah, it, it yeah. was weird. I feel like Star Wars just historically has these issues 
Um, because, yeah, I know there's an ep- I've watched two episodes in the second season and the second episode uh, on the ice planet, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to give too much away. But like there's just some creatures that are just like, how do they even exist in that atmosphere? Like there's nothing there to sustain that life. You we know, don't know what that life is. That's a completely different biology. And that's a good point. Um, but, like, yeah. it's just interesting to me that, like, Star Wars just, like, they just kind of do things for convenience and then never explain it. And that's, I guess that's my point. And so you just, you have to, like, fill it in in your head, I yeah. guess. And, or just forget about it and just, like, whatever. It's it's for plot. Whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll get over it. And that's fine. And I, I guess when I watch Star Wars, I, I typically go into it knowing or thinking that. And I typically go into it thinking this is based on something George Lucas came up with. You kind of have to do this. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm trying to think like, yeah, we, we don't really need to break down like no. uh, the whole story, but yeah, eventually, you know, he goes, he's, he, um, every, every bounty he distances himself with, but he finds a connection with the child and he, mm-hmm. he learns that, he learns that it the when he turns in the bounty that perhaps some bad things are going to happen mm-hmm. and so his conscience takes over him and he takes the child back and goes on the run and that's pretty much the rest of the, the last five episodes is him on the yeah. run and then him finally deciding he needs to confront this otherwise he's going to be a fugitive from even his own people, his own, well, bounty, the, not, not Mandalorians, but bounty hunters in general. He's a yeah. target now. So, well, and the reason why he goes back to confront it is because he was offered a chance at redemption to help them get rid of the empire that suddenly took over that city where the yeah. guild is. Um, and, and otherwise, and it's interesting too, because uh, watching it. So each episode is kind of like a weird self-contained, storyline really that's kind of like joined together just because it's stuff that's happening to mando and then also like the fact that he's on the run and so he's forced to take like a job just for the money so that he can repair his ship or forced to take a job for to be able to like have um a place to stay under the radar or forced to take a job again to fix a ship (laughs) um and and each of those jobs is just like uh, it was interesting because like my wife was just like, why did he even go to that planet? Because like he sh- like like why did he go to Tatooine? Like he probably knew that that planet was like a like Moss Eisley was a bad city to be in, but not uh, so bad because <clears throat> it is no longer controlled by the Huts or the Empire. That's that's a good did. point. Okay, and that's a good point, and I I think that's something I just didn't think of. But and i think i just interpreted every action that he took as like it's a necessity like he has to do each of those tasks for money because like he has no income and he has to do everything under the radar because he's not a part of the guild anymore um but then he's he's also he also has to stay on the move because uh, the child is being hunted down by bount or has a bounty on his head so yeah i don't know whatever is right <laughs> i got nothing I, um, well, it no. also just made an interesting story just for these goofy things to happen to him to have to go and do. And it, from what I understand, too, from like a couple of the episodes, introduced characters that are key to the next season. Uh, like on Tatooine. I, I like know. suggestions. Nothing real definitive. I just I got caught a couple spoilers. It's, but it's, 
The show has a really great cast and a wonderful like diversity of characters that are introduced. Yeah. Like every sure. episode introduces very strong characters. I don't really I'm trying to think if anyone's really a weak character in the show. Like I, I really even loved Amy Sedaris in the show. Oh, I as soon as I saw her, I was like, I hate this character. But by I the end of that episode, I loved first. her. I didn't either. I saw her name at the end. I'm like, Amy Sedaris was in this? She's and, unrecognizable. And, the, and then like, I she's kind of unrecognizable in a lot of stuff. I usually well, I say, like the one that was really unrecognizable and uh, like I recognized the voice was uh oh jeez. Was it the android in the uh, oh, oh my god episode? Is it Will? is it, is it uh, Sands? What's his last uh, Jorge? Jorge Sands? What's his name? What are you Horatio Sands? Horatio Sands? Thank you. Who was he? <laughs> Uh, Mithril, the blue guy, the first bounty in the first episode. First episode. Oh, that's who that was. That was that bugging me. Stands. It, that is stands, and I believe he's in – it's that's, makeup, not like CG. Now that you say that, that's so obviously him. But yeah. the whole time when I was watching, I'm just like, who is this guy? I know who this guy is. Who is he? Yeah, it was the same way with me. I'm like, why do I recognize this this voice so much? I had to yeah. like it up immediately. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I have to I, say – the the one my one complaint about this is uh the way that they showed Twilix. I, I, I never know how to pronounce that but like i just hated those characters in the the jailbreak episode oh twilex yeah like the that brother and sister yeah worst characters in the whole series really uh, yeah but i don't think they were they weren't meant to be sympathetic they were just meant to no, be no they weren't but like like, I, I, mean, I think what Dexter's implying is they were characters that he didn't even love to hate. He just didn't like in general. No, no. Like, yeah, no, I, they were just annoying. Like, yeah, I, I just think they're meant to not like them. I yeah, don't you can, know the I can male. Not, you know what? I don't know the male uh, Twi'lek, uh, the actor, but yeah. uh, you know who the female Twi'lek was, though, Dexter. I, I didn't recognize her. That was Tonks from the Harry Potter movies. Oh, I... The, the chick with uh, the, the, the wizard with the colorful the hair that can, can change color as part of the Order of Phoenix. Yeah. 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 I, I, honestly, I could. I've, I've seen. I've seen all the Harry Potter movies, but everything after four, I don't remember anything about. Because you're a horrible sure. person. Um, it's true. But no, I mean, other than that, that like I loved that episode because I liked Bill Burr's character. Like he was a character that I enjoyed not liking. Like they did a good job with him. Um, the giant, whatever that alien is that, that looks like a devil, like a demon, or like Devorian. with the horn. Yeah. Like, uh, well, and the actor for that, I, I usually like him and things. Yeah. Clancy Brown is. Oh yeah. Brown. As soon as I saw him, I was just like, I know who that is. And I, I looked him up. Uh, and then, uh, sp- even more specifically the android <clears throat> that they had, who was piloting the ship, which was hilarious. Cause my wife actually picked out who that was from his voice and I don't know that you guys are familiar, but there's a uh, he's from the British TV show The IT Crowd. Yeah. Um, he's Moss. Yeah, so I recognize his voice. Yeah, he's like the he's like the nerdiest dude. He's supposed to be like just the biggest computer like D and D nerd on the show uh, for IT Crowd. But like, uh, it was just funny like to even hear his voice. And as soon as my wife pointed that out, I I, I couldn't I couldn't not hear him. Uh, but it was just it was just such a delight to to hear him as that character. Cause I liked him uh, as Moss so much on the IT crowd, but um, just, that was a really cool, I guess, assassin droid as well. Just the way that he, like his personality of just being pretty flat, I guess. Uh, I, I always enjoy the droids in star Wars that are just very, like just 
maybe like they just don't have a personality. They just like say everything though. Cause in uh Knights of the Old Republic, there's a droid you can pick up. And before he says like any statement, he says like the emotion he wants to carry behind it or like what, it, like he'll say uh, in- inquisitive, like inquisitive statement. And then he'll say a question. And I just feel like that's what this type of droid was like. Like he would just kind of say everything out loud, but he was also like a little, like he kind of like, prodded man mando a couple of times where like he was trying to get a rise out of him which i guess is interesting as well i, I always find it interesting the droids in star wars that like just the personalities that they yeah, give they have them great personalities for something that shouldn't have yeah and i guess i i don't know how, like at, at times i'm like annoyed by it it's just like androids should not have personalities but like I, but i'm always delighted by it i guess like because i always i liked um Whatever I don't remember his name now. K2SO in um Rogue Rogue One. Rogue. Yeah. Like just the best that was one of the best droids uh in the in like all of Star Wars. Well, I mean, you just have to look at like R2 D2. I mean he's he doesn't yeah. have verbal, he's a sailor. but he's got he's got you know, he's got like probably the, the biggest personality in the entire series. Yeah. I do have to interacts I, and I do have to complain a little bit though, because in uh the Clone Wars movie specifically and I don't remember the first three episodes very well. Like, I just do not remember them. I've seen them, but I like whatever. But the the battle droids and in the Clone Wars movie, uh, like they are just so annoying because um, like there's like one more like uh, keep your eye on sector like one, one, two, three, five, seven, six. And then like the other one's like, what's that? What are you talking about? And it's just like like they're just so over the top stupid. Well, you know, the the, the, the droids themselves are they're, they're, they're chatty. And, yeah, I get them. Know, I get it. They're, they're chatty. Top, they even did that a little bit in the movies. Yeah, they were chatty yeah. in the movies. But I mean, just like so stupid. Yeah, but but now you want them. I mean, you really you're rooting against them so hard. And I, I do think they tone it down a little bit throughout the series. That's I can't say it completely because I'm only I'm on season five and I'm still not all the way through it. But um yeah anyway but i guess in mando all the droids have very nice personalities which is funny just because he um throughout the series up until the end mando hates droids which i guess whatever spoilers we know that but yeah i which okay then at the end when they brought back ig11 i was so happy like i loved that droid so much (laughs) yeah it was a good uh it was a good way to to finish the season was with you know like a that was a fantastic we're getting the gang back together type yeah right into the sunset and um no it was it was done so well and the characters are all so you know even Cara Dune is just such a great character um with her backstory so yeah uh, I don't think you have it you don't get a ton of it in the first season but they yeah. they do such a good job like just giving you enough that. You want to know more, so for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I overall the first season was was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. and the direction from you know, I was amazed by like uh, the episode that Bryce Dallas Howard directed. Which um, one was that's that? a great episode. That's the one with Cara Dune in the village, I believe. It is. Oh, that was a really good episode. I think when it first started, I wasn't super excited about it, mostly just because like. I don't know. Like, I, it's weird to me to have a village like that, where like they clearly have access to technology, and they just like, for some reason, don't have it. 
because they had droids around like so it's not even like they're rejecting technology they just like don't have it and i guess maybe they're poor yeah i think that's more along the lines um they're a a star wars version of a third world country okay they have access to certain things but they don't have top the line it very much reminded me it was basically a seven samurai uh yeah 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 allegory but with you know two two warriors instead of seven that, so, that, yeah, no, and no, that no. is a thing with uh, the show is every episode is almost every episode is one story, but mm-hmm. they're all homaging um, certain genres yeah. or even certain movies. That's and interesting it's mostly too, yeah. Westerns or samurai movies. Yeah, well, because like the, the, what, the third one basically where he picks up the child and takes him out of town is basically John Wick. No, it's, it's not. It's a Western. No? No, it's it's based on Western uh, very much. Like a lot of most of Mando and all this stuff is based on uh, is heavily based on Clint Eastwood films. Okay, well, and <clears throat> it's funny too because like uh, so I watched the first three episodes I believe at your house, Matt. Like when yep. it first came out because the fourth the fourth episode wasn't even out yet. When no, we watched the first three. Uh, uh, no, the <clears throat> show was done. We watched him in January. The show was over, but oh, it was? Uh, we watched the first three episodes because each episode is roughly 35, 45 minutes long, okay. Okay. and so, so we watched, we watched like the first three because the first three are one story arc and yes. can be treated as a movie. So okay. we did that, and then we were going to like one thing is, is Dexter and I we we tried like before COVID hit and with Tom we would do uh, a movie a month or a get together a month yeah. at my place and we uh it, it eventually it kind of just came me and Dexter for the most part but uh Mandalorian was out and done and we wanted okay. to watch it together so we we did yeah. the first three episodes and then unfortunately uh we haven't none of us have seen each other in 20 years now <laughs> podcast so yeah. we weren't able to honestly do what we originally would have loved to have do which is enjoy the show together yeah well anyway so my point being though was that i watched those three episodes and then i hadn't seen it for a long time i started the fourth one i think at the end of last year at some point or probably like october i guess and then i just didn't it felt it like just kind of fell behind other things but it was, it's funny because I forgot that the music was even very Western. Yes. And that's like, um, very as, Western. As soon as I started watching it again with my wife, I was just like, this is a Western. Like the music makes it a Western. And like just even the like every planet that they're on, it seems like has a very Western feel or just the way it's shot and like the way that the sun it seems to always be in the background. Like it's, it's just always it just feels like a Western. Yes, and that was it. I mean, uh, one person we haven't talked about is the star, Pedro Pascal, and yeah. how much of an amazing job he did. And he watched all of Clint Eastwood's Western films to prepare for this role, and he watched uh, several old samurai films, too, to get an idea of how to play this character. He It is very much Clint Eastwood in Mandalorian armor. Yes. And he's a, he's a, great, uh, he's a great actor. I actually yeah. – um, yeah, you know he it, which again I'm gonna go on a, a, a tangent here, but he actually was in Wonder Woman '84, which just came out as Maxwell Lord, um, okay. and he played Maxwell Lord in the Wonder Woman TV pilot back in like 2006. Hmm. So it, like came I back around for him. Don't think he played Maxwell Lord in that. He had a character. He was a character in it, but I believe he was a newscaster. Is that what it was? I, yes, I knew he was in it, but. 
it came back around from. And then last night I was watching on Netflix with my kids. Uh, Robert Rodriguez has a new movie on Netflix called uh, We Can Be Heroes, which is kind of like uh, in his you know Spy Kids, Shark Boy, and Lava Girl vein. Mm. Um, and Pedro Pascal was was uh, like the main hero in it. And I thought mm. that was I was like, oh man, I I, I hadn't really known who he was until the Mandalorian, but I've really yeah come around to him as an actor. He's a he's a great uh, I, great presence. Yeah, well, I only know him from the Mandalorian and just his voice. Like he just has like a really good voice, uh, yeah. which I mean it was very necessary for this role. Um, but no, he's fantastic. I guess I, I would I would love to see anything he's in just from seeing this. I'm surprised you guys haven't seen him in anything before, and I've seen him in quite a few things. Yeah, well, I don't like what. what Whatever. He was in something big, wasn't he? Like Game of Thrones or something. He was in Game of Thrones. Okay. He's uh, he was he's actually in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The uh, show. Yes. Oh, I never watched that. I watched he's Angel. He's he was in The Good Wife. Um, okay. He's got quite a large television uh, huh. presence, but it's it's limited to epi- just a few episodes here and there and stuff. And this was his. Oh yeah, I feel this like was like his actually. second big uh, role in a show. Like he's the starring role, but he's yeah. also uh, you know he was in Netflix's big series Narcos. Oh yeah. And I assume he was just like a side character. I've never he's, seen. He's the main role for the first two seasons. Oh, so that's him. He's Harvey. Seen- he's Javier Pena. Oh wow, I've seen photos of him. Wow. And I, I liked him in Game of Thrones a lot. I've I mm. thought he was really good in that. And that's where I first learned of him and then I, I watched other things with him. He's a great actor and yeah. he's one of the few things that would make me want to watch Wonder Woman. <laughs> but the the clutter that that movie is and nonsense kind of makes me go, hmm, I'll have to watch everything with someone in it. Whatever, you're just I'm not going to go into it, how much of a DC hater you are. Hey, hey, you know what? That's okay, because we got to listen to you judge up and down Boba Fett while you also, you know, lick sure. uh, <laughs> uh, Zack Snyder's boots over his garbage. So it's okay. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I, I don't know if there's much more to say about Mandalorian without, I don't know, just getting into like the details again i guess uh one thing to bring up was i mean the show ends with uh grand moff gideon gideon who Arlo i esposito yeah and i'm not is that a is he in like clone wars or anything or yep. is he no okay. i i honestly thought he was going to be in the final season of clone wars that came out last year i thought that was going to be a pretty neat tie-in oh. and he wasn't like this was his first okay appearance and, and so, solo so far Okay, and so he was like he knew uh, Mando's name. He called yes. like he knew each of them. Like he called each person like because uh, there's like a standoff and they were in a building and he called each of them out like by name. Yes. Uh, and uh, and then at the very end, I uh, I don't know if I want to say what all the circumstances are, but he at some point he pulls out a dark saber. The dark um, saber. The okay, yes. I'm unfamiliar. Is, is that from Clone Wars? Yes. Okay, so he pulls out the dark saber. So that's a, just a black lightsaber. The black, yes, the dark saber is a Mandalorian weapon. It was, oh. it was a lightsaber by a, a Mandalorian who was the ol- the first and maybe the, only the Jedi. Mandalore? 
Yes, he's the only okay. he's the only Mandalorian that was ever a Jedi, and that was mm. his lightsaber. It was from the old Republic era, thousands of years ago. Yeah, okay. And it's it's delved heavily in. The dark saber <laughs> is a symbol of Mandalore, and oh, it is a very big deal that an Imperial officer is in possession of that. And so, so that doesn't mean that he is a Jedi or a Sith. No, and they they make a mention that he was there during the Mandalore purge, so he took so, it from them. So he okay, and and that's what I was gonna bring up. Like that's why he knew Mando's name was because. He was there during the purge, and so he probably had a look at the records. Yes, well, yes, that, and the thing is, is that they mention what he, what, what, uh, what area he worked in the Empire. He was essentially an officer of pretty much the CIA of the Empire, okay. the real, like the yeah. the section of the Empire that knows everything. So he's and, intelligence. Okay. Yes. Which makes sense then. So he ultimately, it's him. It's, he's the one that's after the child. And yeah. so then if he is, like, in charge of the CIA of the Empire, that makes sense that he would be looking for a Force user because, as far as they know, there are no more Force users. Other we than don't know Luke. what the heck's going on there, and it's... Uh, That's my it, assumption, I guess. It, it, it gets a little deeper in Season 2, I'll say that. But, yeah, nice. they they want to... And I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an inside, Dexter, because you did... Uh, he is in the show. Dr. Pershing, the medical doctor that did not yeah. want the child to die... At the beginning, yep. On the side of his uniform are symbols for from the cloning facility on Camino where the oh, clone yeah. troopers were came from. Yep. Oh, so they're probably looking to clone the child. Something, but yes, he is affiliated a, with the clone uh, the cloning research the Empire has utilized the, in the past. Aren't the cloners like super tall? Aliens? Those were Caminos, but Caminoans, but that's oh. not to say there weren't others the, there. No, they're Caminoans. Caminoans. El Caminoans. They were Chefs from the planet Chevy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh, I I really loved the character of Gideon, and I really like Giancarlo yeah, no, uh, Esposito villain. a lot. I yeah, actually seen him in a lot of stuff. I kind of a little worried because he's yeah. getting typecast as villain. One after another, and yeah. does it so well. He does it so well, and you know the thing is, is I'm waiting for him to. Uh, much like a lot of things, like, uh, um, oh, I can't remember his name. The guy that played uh, the scroll. Yeah, and, I was just gonna bring that up because uh, we've said the same thing about him. Yes, and same with like say Jeremy Renner, who was very typecast as villain for the first 10, 15 years of his career, and. You know, sometimes these guys can break out of it and play a good character. I'm really waiting because I do follow what he's in a lot. He's in a lot of things. He was main villain in Breaking Bad, and uh, he's he's been all over the place. So I like that he showed up in this. And it's because his popularity is such a, uh, a notorious monster in stuff like Breaking Bad and uh, Better Call Saul. But, yeah, I am waiting for him to finally break into a role where he's not always a villain. And, boy, I saw a fan art. Uh, digi digi bash of him as the Prowler, uh, in, for uh, an MCU Miles Morales movie, and I was like, "That's a good cast right there. That's a good cast of playing Uncle Aaron." Yeah, <clears throat> I feel so. like I've seen him like in one thing, and I can't remember the name of this stupid show was, but it's like something. It's in the, I think it's in the present, but like 
all of like technology just gets shut off. Revolution. Yes, he plays a general in Revolution. Yeah, I've in Revolution. watched that whole show. Okay, so from that show, at the, so he becomes he's a villain in that show. But at the very beginning, it shows him just like as a dad, like yes. or at least in the flashbacks. Yeah. And I yeah. get the sense that he is a good man, like that that yes. character is. And so I can see him as a very good like good guy. Like yes. I could see him as being just a very righteous character, but he always, yeah. But like, I guess in that, and then in this, he's just a very, like at some point something happened that just broke him and it'd be nice to see him. Like you said, like as a character that is just, that can sustain that righteousness, I suppose. He was a great yeah. thug in Stephen King's only directed movie, maximum overdrive where he gets electrocuted by a video game. Awesome. That was one of his first roles in the 80s. Like, I think it was like his second or third movie. He's very young in it because, well, that movie's like 35 years old. But I, I had no clue that was him. But uh, he's a great actor. I mean, everybody in this show is a great actor. Oh, like, great. Uh, yeah. you know, Gina Carano has is such a wonderful actress. Uh, Oops, who's that? Uh, she plays Cara Dune. Yeah, which uh, it's funny because I was, I was looking into her because I was just like, who is this person? And so she's an MMA fighter. But I, I saw uh, the like the Born Identity ripoff that she did, Haywire. That's oh, the only okay. thing I've ever seen her in. It's basically like Born Identity, but with a lady. And and there's like zero plot. It's just her running around beating like dudes up. It's uh, it's a very active. It's, a, it's an action packed movie, I guess. Um, but then, yeah, I guess she's in, it looks like she's in Fast and Furious 6, Fast and Furious Showdown. Deadpool. Oh, yeah, she's Angel Dust. I yep. forgot about that. Lee, what's her American Gladiator name? She's an American oh, Gladiator. Was it Crush? It was, was Crush. Crush. Great, uh, an actor that I discovered in this show, um, was, uh, also, by the way, Mark Boone Jr. is really great in this show because he's just playing Mark Boone Jr., um, he plays the guy that commissions the jailbreak. He's in Batman mm. Begins mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of crap. Um, I really loved, and I never knew her because I've never really seen her and stuff, was uh, Ming-Na Wen. She's in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think she did the voice of Mulan in the cartoon. Yes. But uh, yep. you you can't even recognize her because she's just, she's just like in the shadows though, Like whenever you see her. Yeah, she plays Fennec Shand, and I really liked that character a lot, and Boy, nothing's more great than looking up uh, Ming-Na Wen's first acting role ever, where she, she played – she uh, she was a trumpet player in an episode of Mr. Rogers. How do you guys oh, wow. not – how do you guys not remember her playing Chun-Li in the Street Fighter movie? She's Chun-Li in Street Fighter, yep. <laughs> really? I do yeah, not remember that. Chun-Li in the Van Damme Street Fighter movie. Yep, she was also the, the uh, main character in the Final Fantasy movie, uh, yes. Spirit of the Pin. Yes. I did not know that. I remember that. Yeah. Now, now you say that, I completely it, it, forgot. Craziness, she is 57 years old. And she mm-hmm. looks younger than the three of us. Yeah. She looks amazing. Well, I mean, she's still doing action roles so well. She's she in the new Mulan. She has a cameo in it. Oh, cool. She, there was a TV show back in the, the late 90s uh, called The Single Guy with Jonathan Silverman. Oh, uh, yeah, she was in she that. Was in that. She was yeah one of the friends. Yeah, that was oh, how I've known yeah. her from that for years. And that was I completely I now that you say that, I completely forgot she was in. I loved that show. It was a really good show. <laughs> well, I mean, I was like ten, but yeah, I was like I don't think I was even ten. 
was pretty little. 14, I, I probably shouldn't have been watching that show, honestly. Oh. She's in Wreck-It Ralph 2. Oh, she plays Mulan in Wreck-It Ralph 2. Oh, that makes sense. That's pretty great. Like, I really liked her in the show, and she's a wonderful actor. I've never yeah. seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it looked like garbage. Um, and, it, oh. You have to watch, like, every other season, and I don't know which seasons are the good ones. It's... I think it's the odd or the even seasons. Yeah, it's so it gets so bad when it's bad, but it's so good when it's good. I know. Uh, who was I looking up? Um, let me see. Cast. Uh, I can't remember his name off my head. I'm looking him up. Oh, uh, Jake Cannavale. It was he. he plays he plays the young first time bounty hunter on the Tatooine episode. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is. I've never seen this kid in a single thing, but he looked hauntingly familiar. Yeah, it's because that? he's practically a clone of his dad who plays the stepdad in uh, the Ant-Man movies. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah he play, He looks just like his dad, and um, his dad is Bobby Cannavale, who, yeah, he plays uh, the cop stepfather in uh, the MCU Ant-Man films. It was really good, and he's a good actor, too, but hmm. boy, yeah, his son just looks identical to him. Hmm. Just like a twenty year, twenty year younger version of him, and he was a pretty good character. Like, yeah, I know. Uh, uh, so we don't go on to him, but I know Dexter. When you finished the season, I know you were very bummed to see IG Eleven and Quill die. And yeah, so that, that's something that says about this show is that even if they're bad characters, um, they're they're bad they're bad guys, but you like them. And it's always kind of sad to see a character get killed off in this show because they won't be back. Yeah. Like a well, fish killed off, I should say. I always have like a soft spot in my heart for some reason for um, redemption characters. Thanks. And like, so IG-11, yes, he's a robot and he was just simply reprogrammed. But I liked the fact that they turned him into like just such a powerful caretaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then what was it? Quilly? Quill. Quill. Um, just the fact that he like used to work like, well, and I don't know that's a redemption story so much, but he used to work for the empire because he was, he was an indentured servant. Yeah. And, and he worked his way out and he's so proud of that. And just that like, he's finally has peace, but for some reason he has like this code of honor that he has to go help, um, the Mandalorian because he's fighting the empire. Uh, and so he's just like, I'm coming. I have spoken, but it's just like, you know, if you just, you know, decided to live in peace, you could have stayed on that planet by yourself and it would have been fine and you'd still be alive. (laughs) Uh, Redemption is a huge theme in this. I think it's one of the biggest themes in this. I mean, every character, every good, I guess not even good or bad character has a redemption story in them. Like the main one is the Mandalorian, Din Djarin. Uh, uh, Carl Weathers. We haven't talked about Carl Weathers. He's great. His, his yeah. character faces redemption too. Uh, yep. uh, Cara Dune herself. You know, she's yeah. there's there's something about her where she's a rebel shock trooper, and but she's she isn't hiding. She has bounty on her head. She says mm-hmm. it later on that she can't leave. Like she can't come yeah. out of hiding. And so she did stuff. She did bad things. And you're not really sure what she did. Who knows? She probably made a bunch of stormtroopers strip naked and made a human pyramid and took pictures of it. Who knows? But she did something wrong. And a lot of characters have that kind of arc. I mean, even even small characters like, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, 
something Vizsla. He oh Paz Vizsla, voiced by John Favreau, the big heavy oh, yeah, uh, Mandalorian. Yeah. You know, where he's like uh, beaten up on Mando at the beginning, but then by the by like whatever the next episode he. He's come around kind of thing. Yeah, a lot yeah. of characters, they they work to redeem themselves. And if they yeah. die, they either died redeemed or they died a villain. You know, that's a big thing. Yeah. And so it, it's it's a really good show where you get to see these characters change. You do see Din Djarin change. He's an honorable character, but you see that the child really brings out a really yeah. amazing part of him. And that bond grows with the second season even even more intense where, yeah. you know, final episode of season two, you know, I don't know how many people said they cried. I won't say why, but people got I, very choked up. I've heard uh, one spoiler of a character who's in it. Uh, mm-hmm. And just based on the fact that he's in it, I feel like I know exactly how the season ends. And it makes me so mad that I know it. Cause uh, just because I feel like it would be so much better to go into a blind and, and, and that's the spoiler that I got. I think it was 11 o'clock on the Friday. The episode came out. I'm so pissed that like, every, it, it just seemed like everyone like got up at three o'clock to watch it and then went straight to Twitter with it. And it was just I, like, I, I actually did, did get up at myself 3 and the other person's on this podcast. I did get up at 3am that morning to watch it because I knew. Yeah, be and I knew you guys did. Yeah. But I didn't know all of Twitter did. Like I, I, I thought I was safe for at least 12 hours. Apparently not. <laughs> It was, yeah, I mean, like I said, this uh, this show is in amazing hands, and oh, yeah. more is coming by these amazing hands. They're yeah, spreading the, out, and they're oh, not yeah, just, yeah. you it's know, if, if anything could, if I can make a, uh, an analogy that won't make sense, the Mandalorian feels like a, a balloon that's full, but it's not. It's, it's still small, and they just keep blowing it up bigger and bigger, and it's... Mm. It doesn't feel like it's going to pop. It could, but yeah. it doesn't feel like it will. And these guys, Which Dave Filoni ref- and John Favreau, who knew that John Favreau was one of the Seriously. biggest Star Wars nerds ever? Yeah. I'm pretty it's, sure they – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering. I'm pretty sure he talked – there's Star Wars references and swingers. It's very possible. I mean, he. this is not his first Star Wars go. He plays um, a villain in Clone Wars. Mm. like he's a big star wars fan but i never really knew that but boy i never thought i would ever see him like in in my opinion in my view redeem star wars for me because i yeah. really did not like what disney was doing with it and it, it uh, boy i i don't want to get arguments or say but boy seeing that first season was amazing and then going and seeing rise of skywalker just felt like i just got repunched. like someone picked me up and then just threw me back down and yeah that's just but, how I felt. It really how I felt to see something so great, and then watch Rise of Skywalker and just get thrown back to the ground. That's really what it felt like for me because I do love yeah. Star Wars. Everyone knows I love Star Wars. I mean, I've been saying the species. I I've got you know my little little comic I do with Star Wars figures and stuff like that. Oh, so that it, me. yeah, it really sucks to like you know not enjoy something that i absolutely love but i do enjoy it again i can't wait like we did our discussion topic about all the lineups that are coming yeah from disney plus and like we said one is one i'm not interested in but the rest i'm just going i'm just i'm just you know got my hands together rubbing them going just bring it just bring it now to me because i really have faith that moving star wars from cinema to television or even an app 
I have no shame in spending money on that app to watch this stuff because it's so good. It just fills yeah. me with such joy. I had to look this up, by the way. Um, in Swingers, there is a THX 1138 license plate. Which what THX? a nerd. Not you, Th- John Favreau. <laughs> THX isn't a Star Wars reference, though, necessarily, is it? Like, uh, I know it's, yeah, it's referenced in A New Hope. Oh, yeah, okay. it's referenced in A New Hope. Um, well, so it, THX, I mean, though... It's, it's it's George Lucas's first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But and so but he yeah, references it in Star Wars. Eleven thirty eight is one of the. Uh, is it one of the? Oh my god! Is it is it one of the the stormtroopers? Or is is it, I, isn't it Leia's cell block? Yep, that's right. Uh, oh, oh, nerd. I feel so dirty now. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah, it is cell block one one three eight. I believe that. I think. Oh. Yeah. yeah, when you say it like that, it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so I guess... Oh, I uh, need to bathe myself in Crystal Pepsi to feel clean again. Oh, crystal clear. Um, yeah, you guys said you only had an hour, so maybe we should wrap it up. Uh, anything else, I guess, you guys want to say about Mando? No, I mean, uh, if, if you've, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the first season by now, what, what the hell are you waiting for? Um, I mean, it happens. I just had a friend who just finished uh, binge watching seasons one, two. He avoided it like the plague because he wanted to build up something. And kudos to him. What build up? <laughs> he he want he didn't he wanted like I don't know why I, I call him foolish for it, but I think it was just a week or two ago he waited on Disney Plus for a very oh. over a year, and then I I'm not kidding. I think he watched season one and two in one day. Yeah. Well, you know, I still haven't watched season three of Stranger Things, so I, re- I guess I really can't give crap. I watched five minutes of Stranger Things, and I have zero desire to watch any more of it. Yeah. But that's just me. I understand a lot of people like it. Yeah. I don't like it enough to rush out to watch the third season, I guess. I suppose. Um, I what? Remotely, so I, I will just say that. Yeah. <laughs> And I've watched all three seasons of it because I like to hurt myself. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. I don't. Um, all right. Well, how about we close this out? Okay. Um, yeah, I guess we had our everything on the, at the beginning. So, yeah, if you want to contact us, uh, just go to our website. And otherwise, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for making it weirdly. <laughs> what I do. <laughs>